to Alumni Conversations. What you're about to hear is a Facebook Live conversation that took place between members of our Laterno community and our alumni. These bi-weekly conversations dive into stories from our time as students at Laterno University and the years that followed. Originally founded by R.G. and Evelyn Laterno in the mid-1940s, Laterno University is a comprehensive institution of Christian higher education where educators engage learners to nurture Christian virtue, to develop competency and ingenuity in the professional fields, to integrate faith and work, and to serve the local and global community. We claim every workplace and every nation is our mission field, and so Laterno University graduates are professionals of ingenuity and Christ-like character. They see life's work as a holy calling with an eternal impact. Welcome to Alumni Conversations. Welcome to the latest today's edition of Alumni Conversations. My name is Dr. Daniel Ostendorf, and I have the privilege of serving as our Director of Alumni Engagement here at Laterno University. All that means is that I get to spend my time connecting our over 25,000 alumni around the world to each other, to the university, and to encourage them as they seek to make a difference in every workplace, in every nation. And so every other week, I get to sit down with an alumni here on an alumni conversation and invite you to listen in as we share about the stories God's given us, our time at Laterno and our time since and what we've been doing since then. I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Dr. Amber Dyer, uh, who's joining me from Dallas-Fort Worth and can't wait to, for you to hear from her and learn more about her journey and her story. But before that, a few announcements to share with you that'll be important for you to know about. First of all, if you haven't heard uh, Following the advice of the university leadership and our alumni council, we have postponed homecoming from April to September of this year. We know that's a disappointment to many of you. That was not our hope either. But at the heart of homecoming is a chance to connect with others and to connect with fellow alumni and family and friends. And we just felt like if we were to push ahead with April, about only half of you would actually be able to join us given the restrictions of your company and your state and your locality about whether or not you'd actually be able to come to campus. So we thought if we push off to September, more of you could join us for that as we celebrate 75 years of Laterno education. So I hope you'll join us September 15th through the 18th here on Laterno campus for homecoming. If you wanna find out more, uh, go to letu.edu slash homecoming and you'll find a little bit of information there is it, and it'll continue to be updated as we build out more of the schedule now for this rescheduled and um, homecoming event. But you can also sign up there to get the latest updates. And if you sign up and let us know you're interested, we'll try to get information out to you first and let you know what to expect. Those of you who graduated last year, our December 2019 and May 2020 graduates, you may be wondering, well, what does that mean for me? As you know, you were supposed to have a special graduation on the Saturday of homecoming in April. Well, what we are doing is we wanna invite you to join us just a few weeks later on the weekend of May 7th and 8th for a graduation weekend. Many of you have dear friends that are graduating this spring um, and we want you to be able to be here to celebrate them, but we also want them to be a part of celebrating you. So we invite you to join us for that weekend in which your friends, the spring 2021 class will graduate, but also our December 2019 and spring 2020 graduates will graduate as well. We're excited to have you walk across the stage in Belcher to receive your diploma, to be celebrated by family and friends on our campus. Be looking for an email and communication from our office Office in the coming weeks about how to RSVP and sign up for that. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us here at the office. You can email us at alumni at letu.edu. 
Well, along those lines, we want to let you know that we've got some exciting things coming up in the next year for our 75th anniversary. Those, Some of those are right around the corner. February is a month of alumni speaking in chapel. Here in a couple of weeks, 2006 graduate and our, get, our last guest on Alumni Conversations, Lucas Kitchen, will be speaking in chapel on February 17th and 19th. I will be speaking in chapel the following Monday on February 22nd. And then on February 24th, David Eaton, a 2005 graduate, and Reverend Rodney McFarland, a 2013 graduate, will be speaking in chapel, as well as at a public community worship event the next evening on Thursday the 25th. All of that then is followed up by Katie Zappazotti, also a 2005 graduate, speaking in chapel the following Monday. So it is a month of hearing from our alumni. I hope you'll join us. You can watch those chapels um, free and as a live stream on our website. Go to letu.edu slash chapel. That's letu.edu slash chapel. And you'll be able to watch it live stream 1035, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday during the week. So we hope you'll join us. We hope those will be an encouragement to you as you worship with us and as you hear from fellow alumni uh, during that time. Well, with that and the announcements out of the way, I want to introduce our guest for today. Dr. Amber Dyer is a 1997 graduate from our English and History and Political Science program. While here, Dr. Dyer served as our VP of Activities on the Student Senate and was the founder of the Yellow Jackets Activity Council. So for those of you who have been part of YAC since 1997, you are in many ways um, that has been poss made possible by Dr. Dyer's work there. So she's got some stories and some artifacts to share with us today. But let me tell you a little bit about, more about her before I bring her in. After graduating from Laterna University, Dr. Dyer went on to get her master's and then her PhD from the University of Dallas. Today, Dr. Dyer serves as a fellow for the Dallas Institute's Cowan Center for Education, where she's a senior consultant and a graduate faculty member in the Sue Rose Summer Institute. She's taught over 2,000 university students as a professor of English, philosophy, business, communication, and public speaking here at Laterna University, the University of Dallas, and at Dallas Baptist University. One of the things I love about looking over Dr. Dyer's sort of history of teaching is she's taught everything from the ancient Greeks to modern uh, literature, Faulkner and others, and Dostoevsky. So today's conversation is going to be a fun kind of walk through some of that history with her. Well, lastly, she and her husband, Dr. John Dyer, have two children, ages 10 and 12, and the Dyers reside in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So join me in welcoming Dr. Dyer to our conversation. Dr. Dyer, thanks for joining us today. Hello, glad to be here. So glad to have you. Um, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know this is a busy season with teaching and with the work there at the Cowan Center. So we're grateful for you there. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. Well, hey, let's let's jump into some history and some stories from your time at Laterno. So you came in 1990, let's see, 1994, if I do my math correctly, or 1993, somewhere in there? 1993. Okay. And I was so eager. I took so many classes that I actually didn't have any double majoring. I didn't have enough classes to finish my fourth year. So I I, I technically walked in 1996, okay. um, but so 1993 to 1996, and then I and then I stayed after and worked in the admissions office for two years before going to graduate school. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, you and I share a similar story there. I, I was also a double major, um, partly because I, I love so many different things. It was yeah. hard to just choose one. So really excited you stuck, stuck with it. Share a little mm -hmm. bit about how do you end up at Laterna University? What was your story of getting here? And then we'll talk about your time here as a student. Right. Well, so the main reason I came to Laterno was so that, um, and I have history artifact number one here for you, uh, Dr. O. Um, the main reason was so that I could get one of these beanies uh, I'm showing on the camera. <laughs> 
<laughs> just kidding. But I'm going to wear it for a second because um, because that's important. Um, so I came to Liturno, uh because we because I really wanted to go to a Christian university, and uh, and one might wonder why. I ended up at the MIT of the Christian colleges, if I may say so, when I was a, a history political science major intending to pursue uh, law school after graduation. Why didn't I go to the Harvard of the Christian colleges? And the answer is that it was much too cold for me in Chicago. And I knew that Letourneau had this outstanding reputation at that point there was 100% acceptance into first choice law schools for anyone who could um, make it through the pre-law program. And so I packed my bags and headed from Roseburg, Oregon to Longview, Texas on a journalism scholarship to come be the assistant editor of the, of the Yellow Jacket. That was the student newspaper at the time and also on a leadership and academic scholarship. So the pieces fit together for me well to come to come out to Texas. Oh my goodness. So okay, you you're from Oregon. You yeah. travel to East Texas. I mean, what'd your parents think? You're 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 moving halfway across the country. You're moving to this smaller school in this smaller East Texas town. I mean, did people think you were crazy or were people excited for you? Had they heard about it? Well, they had heard about it and we had dear friends, you know, at Laterno, we're family. As we used to say, we'd say it, we, a lot of us don't have the special accent that one has from being from East Texas, but as we what we would say it in an East Texas accent, Laterno is people. Laterno is people, Dr. O. So we, um, <laughs> So we had dear friends who had, who my parents had dear friends who'd sent their children to Laterno. And we had just heard so many remarkable things about the academic rigor and then really just about the heart and the spirit of the place. And it, it really was a good fit for me. Yeah, I think, Dr. Jai, I think that that idea that Laterno's people, I mean, while it makes us smile because we can all hear that East Texas accent saying it, the truth is that's true for all of us. I mean, I think about my own journey at Laterno. I was here, I came here because of the people I met when I visited. Um, and when I look, think over the last seven years, my memories are people, not places or things or activities. And so I, I, I just love, I think that probably not only resonates with you and I, but with so many other alumni as well. Okay, so let's go back to the beanie. The beanie is, um, was a huge part of our story, but is one that's been kind of faded into the distant past. So walk us through, what is the beanie about and why is it something you held on to uh, 20 years later? Well, I was, I, apparently in my um, 18, 19 and 20 year old Amber was an incredible scrapbooker. So this was in my, this was one of those artifacts I kept. And so all freshmen who came to Laterno were issued a beanie from Familias, the freshman orientation team, and there's my little name tag there as well. And um, and and freshmen were required to wear these. If caught without one's beanie, well, there were usually consequences that are probably no longer within the limits of um, hazing laws. <laughs> oh, no. 
So I've, I've heard some of the stories. I've heard about thing, people getting ponded because they, they weren't wearing their beanie and other things. Um, oh now, are these the same beanies that in some seasons of school history would get signed by your fellow students? Yes. And I don't know why my beanie is, it doesn't have signatures. I, okay. I don't, but yes, but many of my, my freshman colleagues did have signatures on their, on their beanies. And yes, I, I have been ponded more than once. Oh no. Likely more than twice. And, okay. Yeah, other, it wasn't beanie related, but you know, but other pranks. Definitely I, I part deserved it. Oh, no. Well, you know, it, it doesn't happen officially anymore, but I have heard over the last few years about, you know, a guy who recently gets engaged. Well, they celebrate by throwing him in the pond, that guy. Yeah. So <laughs> it, that has not completely died away, although the hazing certainly has. So, well, that's a verb. I'd forgotten that that's actually a verb. <laughs> it is a verb at Letourneau. Yeah. Ponding. It's not you, were, you did not get thrown in the pond, it's you were pond. ponded. Right. It's a pond. That's right. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so tell us a little bit. Okay, so you, you traveled from Oregon. You were part of the Yellow Jacket newspaper uh, production. You came actually under a journalism scholarship. You got involved in student senate and student activities. Tell us a little bit about that journey. How, why, when you came, did you choose to get involved beyond the classroom? Um, I, lots of students do, but I think it's actually what makes Laterno so unique is that our students do get involved in making this the place it is. So tell us a little bit about your, what you remember from that time and why you got involved in that way. Sure. Well, for me, it was a really an extension of what I did in middle school and high school. I'd always run for president or, or student body president, president of my class or student body president. And I loved student government. I thought it was so uh, just a just a really fun and rich experience to serve my classmates in that way. So when I got to Laterno, of course, I jumped right in and um, and I I also uh really wanted to serve in this executive council function. But the rumor was at that point, now, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is archival information, but the rumor at that point was that a female student with our, with our um, male to female ratio being really actually much more drastic at that point. I think it was six or seven to one. I think so. I think that's that era of like the six to eight kind of range to one. Yep. Yes. So no woman had ever, to my knowledge, been a vice president. Whoa. So the so challenge I, had been laid down. So I present to you historical artifact number two, my campaign brochure. That is excellent. Amber Hobbs activities vice president president there you have okay and you're going to notice these come in several colors um take your pick i don't know dr oh which what what color would you pick would you go uh, i'm a fan of green but the yellow and the pink stand out so i can't imagine walking through saga or across campus yeah. and not these not catching your eye oh no yeah so no there was one for every undergraduate student you'll Excellent. please please know that i i put those in um every mailbox on this campus um, I, I, and I like that you liked the lime. I think the lime is a nice color. Salmon is a little edgy, but you know, some people might go for that. Now, another piece of, you know, I, uh, Dr. John Dyer, my beloved husband, he teaches at Dallas Theological Seminary. He's a dean and he's teaching a, um, he's teaching a course on, on media and theology right now. So he just did a whole lecture on propaganda. And I'm, I'm kind of wondering, reading this brochure, 
if it fits the definition, this, oh, no. this poster most certainly does. Okay, I've got to get the camera right on this. Okay, what we have here, listeners, we have a picture of with dot from a dot matrix printer. We have George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, and then me in that wonderful senior pose. I'm posing like Rodin's thinker. <laughs> I got it. I don't know. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. It says another great leader in the making. Oh, that is wonderful. Continue the legacy. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, the Amber Hobbs, now Dr. Amber Dyer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. Now, moving right along. Artifact, okay. I think we're on number four. Here is the original brochure for the Yak founding. All right, these two come in a variety of colors. It says uh, yak because Christians have more fun. <laughs> but okay, so one, the colors look a little familiar. It's like you they had do. practiced this earlier yeah, and you knew this was an effective. I could just tweet about this organization I was founding. I had to make brochures in the way I knew how, and that is with bright colors. Wow. So not only did you run as one of the first females, if not the first female on the executive council, you were successful in your campaign. Yes. And then you two do years. some two years. Okay. Two years yeah. in running and yeah. you do some pretty incredible things. One, you establish the yellow jacket activity council. Now walk us through that. Why do we need a council? What was its purpose? Yeah. You obviously saw a need there that you wanted to meet. Well, let's go ahead and read what the newspaper has to say about that. Dr. O, I think, um, journalist. <laughs> I have to say, this makes my historian's heart very happy <laughs> that we have artifacts in this conversation. Yes. I mean, <laughs> listen, we are fellow Letourneau University history people. You, the, the, the prolific professor, me, the scholar, the student. Um, let's get into this. Let's enter in. So, Hi, Chris. If you're listening, Chris Dressler wrote this article, Staff Writer, Yellow Jacket Activities Council to Help Plan Student Events. Student Senate has formed a new council this year to help plan weekly activities for the Letourneau student body. The Yellow Jacket Activities Council, or YAC, as it is more affectionately known, is the brainchild of Amber Hobbs, current vice president of student activities. The council with a core group of 15 members meets each Thursday at 6 p.m. In past years, the vice president of student activities commonly became, quote, burned out, unquote, by the end of the year after carrying such a large responsibility alone. This year, Hobbs wanted that to change. Mm -hmm. And on this article, and so then here are some original council members. And you're gonna notice Ken Johnson, Ethan Cooper. Hi guys. Oh, look at that. Ken and Ethan still work here at Laterno. That's exciting. I know it. They are and were the absolute mm. best. So I love that. I am. Um, mm. Here's something I think that God put in me as a very young person, and that is that I am called to, to serve other people um, as a servant leader, but part of serving other people is building up other leaders, bringing out their gifts, their talents, bringing out um, the potential 
in others. And so that was my heart. Um, there, the, the job is huge. We did so many activities. I mean, hundreds of activities such as here's my backstage pass to the newsboys concert right there. What are we up to right now? Dr. O is it the I number say five? artifact six, seven or over half a dozen. So okay. we're, we're making yeah. our way. This is the sixth Articat. This is the, uh, the first ever, Six Artifact Podcast. That's right. This is the first podcast with artifacts. We're starting, you're launching a new thing here. I love it. So, um, yeah, Hoot and Angie 96 brochure here. This is the program. And uh, and then some more Newsboys crew, backstage crew pass here, setting up the concert, the tickets, um, lots of things here. But yeah, it was a, it was a big job. Um, at other institutions where I, where I've since worked since Laterno, there is a there's often a full time staff member who is the director of student activities, and so that was my role as a student. It was to it was to organize and execute all of the student activities, and um, and I'm so thankful for these wonderful wonderful. Uh, friends of mine who stepped up and said, Hey, we want to go there with you. We want to, we want to help you do this. And, and we really had so much fun. Um, what a, what a journey that was. Well, and, and maybe some encouragement to you. First of all, well, two things. One, I love that it's not only can I, I, I can get other people involved and they can be a part of this Two, There was somebody who got burned out. That doesn't need to happen. So right. I love that your, your solution to the problem wasn't, well, I'm going to do less or I'm going to demand more money. It's I'm going to get more people involved and right. we're going to do something that we couldn't do otherwise. And what's cool is the legacy ha has remained. So we're now in year 24 of the Yellow Jack Activity Council. And oh, once again, they're planning Hootenanny for this year. They do ice cream socials every Friday. Now, I don't know in COVID how that's been impacted by that, but I know that, that committee is alive and well and, and being intentional about how do we create some activities for our students because we all know Laterno students work hard. And so we need yeah. to give them an excuse to take a break. So you're doing a double major. You are VP of activities. You're establishing the activities council. You're bringing all these exciting things to campus, mm -hmm. uh, but you do finally graduate. Now, before you graduated, there were several faculty members that you shared with me had an impact on who you, you were as a student, but also who you became and, and kind of shaped a bit of your traje trajectory after Laterno. Do you have any memories from, from some favorite professors while you were here? Oh, absolutely. And I, I need to send them all, the postage will be expensive, but I need to send them all my 400 page doctoral mm. dissertation because I've noted them in the front of it. Oh, that's um, awesome. You know, those jobs you apply for where it says must lift 50 pounds. Well, I can, I can because I've lifted my dissertation. So these professors at Laterno, uh, Dr. Martin Batts, Dr. James Watson, Dr. Sharon Dennis, um, Lita Faye Arnold, oh my God. Oh my, we have the most beautiful faculty at Laterno. So here I was, I came from Oregon. I thought I wanted to be an attorney and I never knew until I sat in a classroom at Laterno, the fullness of what studying the liberal arts could do to my soul. And I remember so, 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 um, 
so acutely singing in Dr. Bat's class and it, it was C.S. Lewis class and my mind was just being blown by mm -hmm. his beauty of language and by Lewis's um, profound, profound thought. And I remember sitting in that class and thinking, this is how you change the world. Not that you wouldn't change the, not that I, that, that attorneys don't change the world, but by you, I mean, this is how I am, I'm called to change the world. And I decided that, um, that if I could be a professor and if I could teach teachers, and that was a very, it's, it's a very specific vision I had, uh, over 20 years ago, and it's kind of amazing that that's actually what I do for my day job. I teach teachers, but I thought if I could teach teachers the way that he is teaching me, the way that he is um, uh, shaping my heart and my mind uh, from this, from beauty, uh, beauty. I mean, I, I don't know what else to call it, but from truth, goodness, and beauty, then uh, I think that this is my calling. So I shifted directions because of the profundity of those professors who taught me at Letourneau. And I decided to, to pursue studies in literature and philosophy mm -hmm. in graduate school rather than going to law school. Wow. So, okay, you come to the MIT of the Christian world. You're <laughs> surrounded by these engineers. You're surrounded by pilots and scientists. Mm -hmm. um, you're here to study law. Uh, and, and we do. I mean, we have a great record on getting students into law school and preparing them for law school and being successful there because a lot of law is logical, I guess, in that way. Mm -hmm. But while you're here in a class that you have to take, just because every student has to take a literature course, literature through Dr. Batts and, and these others gets a hold of your heart and, and transforms kind of the way that you see that role. And I, I love that idea of I could teach teachers. And so I don't know, Dr. Dyer, it takes me back to that comment you made a few minutes ago that, that what if I could help equip others to be leaders? What if I could give them an opportunity to actually step into a role that maybe they don't think they can do, but they can and give them that opportunity? So we're starting to see a, a thread here, I think, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> Not only as a student did you see this potential to encourage and equip others, but then as you wrapped up, you actually saw this vision for how to encourage and equip others as well. So we might come back to Letourneau, but I think it's a great segue to talk about your grad school experience and what you're doing today. So let's go to grad school. Sometimes grad school can be a bit of a dry period for some students. You know, I think about students who go off to seminary and they actually find that that can be a really dry season or those who go into, um, uh, they take something they love like uh, music and they end up doing it professionally and they find it actually dries up a bit of that. Can you walk us through a bit of your grad school story? I mean, did you find that in grad school you actually did love doing this and being equipped to teach teachers? Did you lose a bit of that vision for a while? What did that journey look like? Oh, it was a rich and, and beautiful experience. And the mm -hmm. way that I ended up studying at the University of Dallas was that uh, here, Dr. Batts had taught me, and then Dr. Watson had advised me um, and had been such a wonderful professor as well. He really, um, he mentored me and helped shape my mind in, in rich and in tangible ways. But he had encouraged me to go to the very, get into the very best program you can get into and then go there. And, um, and I wanted to go wherever Dr. Batts had gone to school and he had studied under Dr. Louise Cowan at the University of Dallas. And he had um, 
advised me to check out this program. And so that's how I ended up at UD. I went to UD to study uh, with Dr. Louise Cowan, and I had not had any kind of background in classical liberal learning, but it was at UD that my, that I, I think the, the fullness of my intellectual life and, uh, and potential really you know, it really came into being there studying under Dr. Louise. Now, she and her husband, Dr. Donald Cowan, were two of the two of the 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 true second founders, I should say, of the University of Dallas. They established several uh, liberal arts institutions throughout the country, including where I work now, the Dallas Institute of Humanities and Culture. And Dr. Louise and Dr. Donald had a vision for um, reforming American education, bringing us back to our um, to the best things that have been thought and said and read. Um, they had a vision for um, for redirecting the teleology of education. By teleology, I mean what is the end game? Like what what is the what is the ultimate goal? And even at a school uh, like Laterno, as, as we know, we we call ourselves the Polytechnic University. We still don't believe that that ultimately the teleology or the end game, the end goal for education, is to get a job to make money to buy things, to get skills. No, we have a higher vision than that. What the, the vision for education is to, is to become wise. And how do we become wise? Well, we pursue uh, beautiful things. We learn beautiful things. So Dr. Louise uh, taught me Faulkner and Dostoevsky and Dante and Homer and Virgil and Milton and all of the great classical works of literature. And then in the philosophy and political philosophy portion of my PhD, I studied um, Plato and Aristotle and Nietzsche, Augustine, Aquinas, and so forth. And so what uh, what my graduate school experience was essentially it was it was a, a program set up to train people like me PhDs who are going to go out and um, and they themselves go and transform English departments and bring bring beauty back bring the classics back and as we all know this has become a movement all over the United States it's really exploded on the K through 12 level and and now um, our some of our universities are are catching on as well and so for me the um, the time that I spent at UD uh, Dr. Louise mentored me for for almost two decades I was uh, her student and then I was her graduate assistant and when I was um, when I was taking care of young babies I spent a lot of time with her um, she was advi she advised my dissertation and we spent a lot of time together and um, and so she she shaped my life she shaped my life in in incredible ways and set me on this path to have that kind of um, involvement in the lives of other of other people in my profession. Mm -hmm. You know, Amber, I love. There's a couple of things there that are so encouraging. 
one, you have this vision of how do I encourage others to be the, the person that they can be, the person God's calling to be. But actually what you've shared over the last sort of five minutes is the people who helped you become the person God shaped you to be. So whether it's Dr. Batts introducing you to the true and the good and the beautiful, whether it's Dr. Cowan and just sort of this, this mentoring relationship over the last 20 years, uh, man, here's what it looks like to call people back, to, to think and to read and to be introduced to these ideas that have shaped our world in some significant ways. Mm -hmm. um, I love getting to see that both your passion for shaping others, but the people who have shaped you. And I think in many ways, that's what Laterno faculty, um, do in a profound way. And what they care about is they know they might be giving up larger salaries. They know they're going to work really hard, but it's because they desire to impact students. And so I love that that was true of your story here, but I actually love too that the legacy of your time here gets to live through you. Um, and I love how you continue to pursue that. Well, we live in a world in which the practical seems to be uh, the idol of the day. We live in a world in which there's even this question of, are the classics worth studying? And you and I would agree, just because of our own backgrounds and, and how God shaped us, that actually, absolutely, they are. And there's some really significant reasons for why they're worth studying. So we've got a couple of more conversations to have, but I think let's go ahead and kind of round the corner into this one conversation. Why are the humanities important? Why is it important that Laterno students continue to study not only how to be a great engineer, but how to think and how to write and, and to be introduced to the great novels of Western and British and world history? Um, what is it that, that that does for us as humans? What does that do for us as, as people seeking to make an impact in the world around us? Yeah, well, great question. That this is, this is this is the 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 question to which I've dedicated my life. So, as you said, you know, we 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 live in an age in which with in which the myth is that our lives exist so that we can uh, pursue what is practical. We go to college to get a piece of paper. We treat we use the the we use um, language about education as if it is a product. I'm going to get my education um, as if it is a a candy bar. I'm going to buy it, right? I'm going to get it, and then I'll get a piece of paper that's going to make me marketable, and then I'll get a job, and I'll make money, and I'll buy stuff. And I would contend that this vision toward education and this vision toward our own learning, that it truncates a part of our humanity, because I think that there is so much more. Human beings are made in the Imago Dei. Um, and as creatures with immeasurable worth, with uh, immense dignity, each human has um, has these other dimensions of our of our being that that can't be quantified, and um, and so I think that the role of the humanities is that uh, is to push us further in our vision of education. That education is not just the acquisition of skills, and and don't get me wrong, skills are important. Skills pay the bills. I, all of us as graduates of Laterno, we're we're doing something in the world. Um, that's something that I think is the mark of a, a, the distinction of a Laterno graduate. I, I don't know anyone who's graduated from Laterno who sits around all day just philosophizing. No, most of us are out actively engaged in people's lives. We have this vision of being world changers and world shapers. But um, 
But I think that our te the teleology of education, the vision of education has to be something higher than just skill. But we have to ask this question, how do we become wise? And if we envision ourselves as Christians, that our highest calling is to love God and to love other people, well, then the study of the humanities, it opens up this, um, this fascinating and beautiful avenue to ask this question that St. Augustine asked, what is the right order or moris? What is the right order of our loves? What is the right order of the human heart? As Jacques Berzon says, uh, literature gives us a second life. Things in our everyday life, are they, they move too fast. Um, they are often hard. It's often hard to discern what the right order of our love ought to be. How do we become wise? What is truth? What is justice? What is friendship? What is goodness? And the humanities allow us to slow down. Um, and to examine those first principles, those fundamental questions that shape our character and shape our hearts and our soul. And I think that that poetry, that literature is this, um, the way that I encourage my students and I show my students how, how they can get to uh, to, to ordering, to asking, first of all, what is the right order of our, of, of our loves? And then secondly, how do I become a better lover in the world? Poetry gives us a beautiful, a beautiful uh, vision of how to shape that dimension of ourselves. I, I love that, that vision you just cast for us, that it's not that being a great engineer isn't isn't a bad isn't a good thing. It's not that being a great writer isn't a good thing. Even being a great lawyer is a good thing. No. But it's the question is order of your loves. Is that the end goal of your life is to be a great engineer or to be a great lawyer? Well, as Christians, we'd have to say no. Those are simply ways in which we love God and love the world around us. Mm -hmm. But if they become the objects of our um, of our focus, of our efforts, either we will fall short or they will fall short of being fulfilling. And, and so our, our teleology is sort of this idea of where were we headed really does need to be focused on how do I love God and love others through this, regardless of what I'm doing. And I love the way you've painted for us that humanities really reminds us of that. If we spend our whole day in, in, in algebra classes and physics classes in the lab, sometimes it can become a bit like, wow, this is what I, I, I'm about. This is what I'm going after. Mm -hmm. But for a literature class to then say, hey, over the next hour, you're going to stop. We're going to breathe a little bit. We're going to dive into somebody else's world for the purpose, for, for one of many purposes, maybe, of sort of reminding ourselves of what the bigger picture is. Yeah. That there's this world outside of the lab. There's a world outside of our studies that we're called to love. And so when I think about every workplace in every nation, this sort of vision that we have, it's not that we're going to every workplace in every nation so that we can check off some list of, man, we have graduates in every corporation around the world. We're going to every workplace in every nation so that we can share the love of God and the love of Christ in those places. Mm -hmm. So I love how you've reminded us of that, Amber, um, and just in such a beautiful way. Um, so thank you for that. Thank you. So we've talked a little bit about, you just talked about Augustine and this order of our loves, and that that's one of the, the vital reasons that the liberal arts and the humanities need to stay a part of who we are. I thought we might hear kind of close in the next few minutes with, you told me a story as we were getting ready for this about a group of scholars that you met. 
and you ask them, you know, what is the, the sort of boundary? Do you think about ethics? Do you think about questions of what your actions do towards others? And so I just thought it was a fascinating story and maybe a, a good cautionary tale for all of us. Would you be willing to share that with us? Sure. Yes. Well, we were we were having such a fun conversation at the beginning uh, as we were setting up for this for this uh, interview. And I was sharing that my that the we're a paradox, um, Dr. Mr. Dyer and I and um, <laughs> and me. And uh, I I go with him usually about once a year when we're traveling during you know, non worldwide pandemic years say, I usually go with him to at least one of his uh, speaking engagements. And I, we were up in the Northeast and he was speaking on a panel with some MIT and some Harvard professors. Um, he, he writes and speaks about uh, technology and faith. And this was a group of Christian scholars. So we were having, we were doing the fun part of that conference, hanging out afterwards. And I asked these scholars, being the literature person uh, that I am, I said, well, what kinds of things are your graduate students and um, the doctors with whom you work, what kinds of things are they reading to shape their vision for what kind of technology they're creating and, and whether there was at that point, there was a cloning project and, um, and there was artificial intel there was an artificial intelligence uh, project that actually was fascinating. It was, um, it was one to help autistic children be able to read facial expression and uh, to, to help that child perceive feedback through auditory cues um, with an earbud. It was fascinating research. But anyway, I said, what kinds of things um, are they are they are they reading? And one of the scholars got a very grave look on her face. Um, and as a Christian, she said, sadly, nothing. We make it because we can. And I think that was a real aha moment for uh, the doctor's dire. Um, because uh, because of course we know that uh, we know from now having been married for 16 years and having rich and beautiful conversations with one another at, over dinner and after the kids go to bed, we know that the humanities and the sciences, the humanities and technology are they're, that they're partners. Right, that uh, one of a, one of these informs, and by the humanities, I'm I'm speaking of the liberal arts in terms of um, not only uh, literature and history and philosophy, but also theology. You know, those and, and even mathematics and science, those core classes that that we would study at Letourneau University, because these are um, these are foundational. Um, uh, uh, subjects that that shape us as human beings, but we know that those that the study of those things informs the other, right? And so, as we as we think about what kind of world we are going to make, what kind of technology we are going to create, um, the 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 liberal arts give us pause, and they they make us ask the question of what kind of human do I want to be? And we start with that question and we say then, what kind of world then uh, will I be making? Yeah, yeah, it's such a great question there. It's it's not just I'm, I'm solving some immediate need, but how does that need ripple out and impact the world? How does um, how does this project that I'm working on not only impact my company, but impact the customers? How do those customers then shape the world around them? Mm -hmm. um, 
I love that reminder and that invitation that you've really just given us that that the humanities and the sciences or the practical arts and the liberal arts, these two mm -hmm. things go hand in hand um, as a way to, to allow the liberal arts to love the world, but as a way for the liberal arts to actually sort of remind the practical arts of boundaries, of, of where they're headed, of how they shape and how they impact the humanity that they serve. Um, so I just thank you. I, I think such a sweet way here to end of, of you and Dr. John Dyer both kind of being this great example to us of what we hope for at Letourneau, which is this blending of, of theology and science and liberal arts that, that we want our graduates to not only be incredible craftsmen, but we want them to be thoughtful human beings, hopefully Christ followers that seek to impact the world in really important ways as well. Um, so I love that. So thanks so much for sharing that story and sharing that with us. Well, I feel like we could keep talking forever because there's so much richness here um, in talking about the order of our loves and where our loves are placed and what's the end goal of the effort we're doing. But I, as a historian, love to ask questions. So I'm actually going to leave it to you. Is there just one more thought either from your time at Laterno or your time now looking back, or your time now raising kids in a world that desperately does need the humanities to, to be speaking to and integrated with um, all that we're doing? Is there something you'd want to share here at the end? Kiss the earth, kiss the earth, water mm -hmm. with your tears, says Dostoevsky. Mm -hmm. If you could read one novel in 2021, listeners, viewers, read The Brothers Karamazov. It'll change your life. Um, I wrote on that novel for my doctoral dissertation, along with all of the other major works of Dostoevsky and Faulkner. That's why um, it took me so long <laughs> to finish that project. But Dostoevsky, um, he shows us in his literary works that when we abstract ourselves from the real, from the concrete, from actual embodied human love and the human world, uh, his characters end up in despair. Um, they end up sometimes violent and they end up uh, sometimes um, completely losing their, their own sons of their humanity. And so throughout the Brothers Karamazov, this phrase is repeated often by Father Zosima, who's the, the, the wise um, elder in that novel kiss the earth and water it with your tears. And what we find in that novel is that when we, when the, char the characters who carry out that vision, who kiss the earth, who go and love um, with active love, not love in dreams, not abstract ethereal ideas, but like you actually go and show kindness in a tangible way to your neighbor, that those are the characters in his novels and in that one particularly who kiss the earth and rise with the hope of the resurrection. So kiss the earth, Laterno, kiss the earth. I love it. What a great way to end. Um, kiss the earth, water with your tears, love actively, not just in thought, but in deed. What a great way to end our conversation. Dr. Dyer, thank you so much for spending some time with me this afternoon. So excited for the opportunities God's given you and the faithfulness you and Dr. John Dyer continue to show in engaging a world in these conversations that matter to pursue the true, the good, and the beautiful. So thank you so much uh, for your time this afternoon. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, so grateful for it. We wish you and your family the very best. And um, thank you again and look forward to connecting with you at some point in the future. All right. Thanks.
Well, such a sweet time with Dr. Dyer. Want to kind of end maybe with a, a comment here. What she shared there at the end just sort of shouted out to me about our Liberal Arts Guild. If you don't know anything about the Liberal Arts Guild at Laterno University, I encourage you to go to letu.edu slash the guild. Now, the Liberal Arts Guild is this vision that Dr. Dyer in many ways has just shared with you that, that the Liberal Arts has much to say to a hands-on polytechnic university. It's a series of courses that you can take where your literature and your history are, are wedded together one in one. So you kind of see the history and the literature at the same time. And those speak then to the projects you're doing. One of the cool things that I, I didn't realize when we were having this conversation is that just this past spring, the Guild scholars and our faculty who led them read the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. And they went on a, a week-long retreat last spring, or actually maybe two springs ago now, I'd have to look back at my calendar. And they were joined by scholars who wrestled with this question of what it means to kiss the earth and water it with your tears. So as you've listened today, or as you've watched this conversation, if, if these are things that resonate with you, if you wanna know more about them, if you know a high schooler who maybe loves the practical, but man, wants to wed that with the beauty of the liberal arts and, and the stories of theology and literature, I encourage you to invite them to check out the Guild. There are scholarships available. It's an awesome opportunity to engage with our faculty in small group conversations and discussions. Dr. Leslie Ann Williams is our coordinator for the Liberal Arts Guild, and I encourage you to reach out to her through the website. Reach out to our office as well, and we can put you in touch with her. Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and bring this to a close. What a sweet conversation this has been with one of our Letourneau alumni. If you know alumni who would be great to sit down with and get to hear about their experience and what they've done in the world and what God's led them through, please let us know. We'd love to sit down with them and share their story with you. For now, though, we're thankful for you. May you continue to be God's hands and feet in every workplace and every nation with this focus on the things that matter, the true, the good, and the beautiful, as you invite your family, your friends, your community, your neighbors, and your coworkers into a story that there is so much to life that we get to be a part of beyond just the task at hand. Well, with that, I wish you the very best. God bless, and we'll see you next time. This episode of Alumni Conversations has been brought to you by Laterno University's Alumni Relations Office, connecting over 25,000 alumni around the world. Find out more by visiting www.letu.edu forward slash alumni.